0: Today we are going to be studying probably my most favorite chapter in the New Covenant Scriptures. It's Romans chapter 8. I encourage you to go back and to read the first seven chapters and the flow of thought leading up to chapter 8, because I really consider the first eight chapters as one unit. And chapter 8 is the conclusion of us as sinners coming to God through Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, who is the propitiation for our sins. We've always come to God by His grace through faith, and now we have been justified. And now we're no longer in bondage to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness, which the law could not do. It could never break the bondage of sin, but now through Jesus Christ— We can live a life in the Spirit. That is the first eight chapters. And I have Laura, my wife with me, and Alan as well. And we're going to look at this chapter probably today, uh, 11 or 12 verses. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 8 together. And we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to go one verse at a time. Remember in chapter 7, it is the law that condemns us. Because when we look at our lives in comparison to the law, We want to do what is right, but we find ourselves practicing the very things that we do not want to do. The law makes sin very clear. It makes it utterly sinful, but it cannot break the bondage of sin. What will set us free from the body of this death? Let me read verse 24 of chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is Yeshua, the Messiah, that sets us free, not the law. The law condemns us, but in Christ Jesus there is now therefore no condemnation. So let's start there in verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Think about that statement. What the law could not do now through Jesus Christ, there's not any condemnation. That we stand before God holy. We stand before God's saints. We do not stand before God sinners. We hear this all the time. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. The right understanding should be that I was a sinner. I was saved by God's grace through faith. Now I can live a life holy unto God, and God declares me through his Son, holy, calls me a saint. That should not bring about arrogance or pridefulness, but it should bring about humility. That it's because of Christ Jesus that there is now, therefore, no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, I stand complete. In Christ Jesus, I stand holy before God. And I can have a relationship with God through the power of God's Spirit that is within me. Let's look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So, when you look at this, what sets us free? It's the law of the Spirit, the Spirit within us in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death, which the law, the Mosaic law, the moral law could never do by itself. There has to be a change from the inside. There has to be a life in the Spirit. Now, remember the prophet Jeremiah. The new covenant is not going to be like the old covenant. In the new covenant, the law is going to be written on your hearts, and you're going to be able to know God from the least to the greatest because of the forgiveness of sins that will come from God. And if you have to run to anyone to know God, then you're not in the new covenant This is a life in the Spirit. This is a change from the inside out, and this is the fulfillment of this new covenant comes through Jesus Christ and His propitiation, His atoning sacrifice for our sins and justifying us and making us right before God, and it's through the power of God's Spirit that is within us. And we look at this, this is the fulfillment of what Jeremiah prophesied about. It's the fulfillment that the prophets and everything within the Old Covenant was leading to. The goal was the Messiah. The law was not complete in itself, but the end or the goal is Christ.
1: I was about to ask about this term, the law of the spirit of life. It seems like a new terminology, it's beautiful terminology, but I was wondering what it relates to, but then you answered that when you spoke of the prophet Jeremiah.
0: Yes, and go back to chapter 7, verse 6, and let's look at this verse. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we will serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And that's exactly what Jeremiah was bringing forth. And this is what Paul is expressing to us, that it's in the newness of the Spirit. It's a new life. The new covenant is not like the old covenant. It is not the law written on tablets of stone. It's the law written upon our hearts. It's a covenant where we can know God because of God's forgiveness. And so this is the whole gospel that Paul is presenting to us.
2: Yeah, and I like, use me, the, um, you know, no condemnation. You know, you look at the law, and that's really the law just condemns you because you see what you do wrong and what you can't do right. So you're constantly sort of have this guilt, and you're having to do these atoning sacrifices and, you know, making mistakes. But when you come to Christ, you know, you have the freedom from that. You've been redeemed by Him. And 1 John, when we get there, we'll talk more about walking in the light, as He is in the light, and, and the advocate that we have through Jesus. But it, it's such a freedom where you know that you are forgiven, you know that you are saved, um, you don't have to worry about about these rules and regulations to the letter. You just follow what the Holy Spirit is telling you, You life in the Spirit, and you can walk in freedom and not feel condemned and not feel like you just can never live up to these however many thousands of things were in the law, moral law, and all the the things that the Israelites had to do. um, You're free from that in Christ, and it's just beautiful, and and people that want to go back to the law or want to go back to that as Christians, and and we've talked about that a little bit with Hebrew roots. It's like, why would you want to go back to something that just had held you back and had bound you when you can walk in this free, Of Christ that He's given you as a free gift by grace.
0: Yes, and I want to say, in the old covenant, in the Mosaic law, the sacrifices had to be done perpetually, and you did have the guilt offerings and the the Day of Atonement, and sin offerings and uh, sacrifices that had to be done perpetually. They were not an end to themselves; they were not complete. But in Christ Jesus, it has been finished, and it is complete and we stand complete in Him. So, I don't want to go back to the Mosaic Law that is not complete. Its goal was Christ, and in Christ, it is fulfilled. And also, I want to say, if you look at the whole context here of chapter 7 of the Mosaic Law, and really through all of these Eight chapters is really talking about the moral aspects of the law. We know that all aspects of the law are fulfilled in the Messiah. We don't go back to the sacrifices and say that we have to continue in the sacrificial laws. We understand that. But even the moral laws are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And let me try to explain from a biblical perspective. I was taught not to covet, but I found myself coveting of every kind. Paul says this, so you have the rule, you have the instruction, but you really don't have the power over the instruction because of this sinful nature that we have. And so when you look about a life in the Spirit, it's not about throwing away the moral law, it's about the fulfillment of the moral law. How can I live a life free from coveting? How can I be content in my life? It's not by the law but it's about a life in the Spirit. So when I can live a life in the Spirit, when I'm walking by the things of the Spirit and not by the world and not by the flesh and not being led by my own sinful ways, a life in the Spirit, it is very easy to be content. And remember what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. Against such things, there is no law. So, when you start looking at this, what is a life of freedom, a life in the Spirit? It is a life where you can truly reflect the character of God because of His Spirit that is in you. And this is the gospel. This is the difference. And when people want to try to go and put themselves back under the law, they fail to understand it is the law that brought us to the Messiah, released us to the Messiah, and a life in the Messiah is a life in the Spirit, where I can live a life of contentment. So how can Paul be in prison and going through hunger and doesn't know where he's going to get his next meal? In fact, he was actually under house arrest, and he writes back to the Philippian believers and says, I've learned to be content in all things, not because of the law, but because of life in the Spirit. And so this is what's so powerful about Romans chapter 8. It's all about this life in the Spirit. Let's look at verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh. Think about that, the flesh, the sinful nature that we all have. It's not able to break that within our lives. So what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's such a powerful statement. The requirement of the law of not coveting could be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So how do we break this life of coveting everything around us? Through a life in the Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let's look at verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. So as we're being led by the Spirit because we are the children of God, then our whole outlook of life is different than people that are in the world. People in the world are saying, I want this, I want more, I want what others have, this is not fair, I've got to have these things in order to be happy, I'm pursuing happiness. But a person that is of the Spirit has a totally different perspective. Their perspective is, God be glorified in my life, I'm going to deny myself, take up my own cross, and I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They say, through a life in the Spirit, life is not about me God, is all about you. Verse 6, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. That is Romans chapter 7. When we think about the flesh and what we deal with with this sinful nature, that sinful nature that we're battling with, and if we have a mind that is set upon the sinful nature, upon the flesh, how can we fulfill the law? How can we stop coveting? It has to be an inward work of God through His Spirit. Verse 8, "...and those who are in the flesh cannot please God." So if we're being led by the flesh, by the sinful nature, how can we live a life that is pleasing unto God?
1: When we're reading this, it's almost like flashing back in my life because I came to the Lord at 16, and I remember planning hostility towards God. I mean, thinking up in my mind things I could do and ways that I could behave, and I don't think I recognized that it was hostility towards God, but it was against His law, so that's, that is what it was, and I was in bondage to that. But then when I came to Christ, I wake up every day saying, God, thy will be done in my life seeking His will, seeking His Word. It just retrains your heart and your mind and your flesh in such a different way, and I'm so grateful to be set free from that.
0: Yes, and think about progressive Christianity that they're calling. Everything about progressive Christianity is about fulfilling your own desires, what you feel like you want to be. You feel like that The law of God or the Word of God is outdated, and we need to progress to a greater understanding of how we see ourselves, but it's all about a self-centeredness, and it's not about God's Word and God's commandments and God's moral laws that can be fulfilled through the Spirit of God. So when you look at the commandment, do not covet... If you look at all the moral commandments that have been given to us by God, it reflects His character. So through a life in the Spirit, it's not my will, God let your will be done. That is the spirit of life and of peace. But in progressive Christianity, what is it all about? It's about me, what I feel like I should be, what I feel like how God has made me, and I want to live a life the way that I want to live. That is a life in the flesh. Everything about it, every statement that they make, every time that they try to preach from God's Word, they're constantly contradicting themselves, and it falls apart from the very beginning. As a believer being led by God's Spirit, just like you at 16 years of age when God changed you from the inside out, it's not about what I want to do. God let your will be done in my life. We have an understanding of Christianity That we want to follow God's Word through a life in the Spirit, and we follow Christ, and we are disciples of Christ, and it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's all about Him. And through a life in the Spirit, I can make the changes. I can live a different life where I'm not coveting, but I'm content. And that's a work of God's Spirit within me. And I would say to anyone that's gotten wrapped up in progressive Christianity that it's all about you and what you think that is right, your mind is set upon the flesh and not on the Spirit. And you need to die daily, and you need to come back to the basics of the gospel. And you need to say, like Paul said in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. That is what it means to follow Christ. That's what it means to be a Messianic. That's what it means to be a Christian, a follower of the Messiah, the follower of Christ, that it's not about us, but it's a life in the Spirit. And God's Word and the Spirit of God are never in disagreement, because the Word of God is God-breathed. It comes from God. It is the power of God's Spirit that is coming alive with inside of us. Now let's look at verse 9, because verse 9 is talking about us. Verse 8 is about those who set their minds on the flesh. Verse 9 is, however you are not in the flesh, talking about the believers in Rome. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You've got to look and see, are you being led by the Spirit or being led by the flesh? But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. That's very important that we understand that. If we do not have the Spirit of God within us, we are convicted by God's Spirit. We are born of God's Spirit. It is the Spirit of God within us. We are the temples of God's Spirit, and we are to be led by God's Spirit, producing the fruit of the Spirit. If we don't have the fruit and we're living in sin, then our mind is set upon the flesh and we do not belong to God. But if we have the Spirit of God, then we know who we are. And he's going to go into more detail about this as we continue. Verse 10, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now I want to read verse 11 that goes along with verse 10 and has the imagery of chapter 6 as well. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So when you go back to verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin— yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. This is a reflection of chapter 6, verse 4, and let me read this verse again. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And when we go to verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And in chapter 6, you have this imagery of water baptism reflecting what God has done within us. We have died to sin. We have been raised in newness of life. Verse 11 of chapter 8 brings this out as well. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The power of God, the Spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Jesus died his body died. Here in verse 10, though the body is dead because of sin, yet we will be raised in newness of life. I believe this is what Paul is trying to convey to us. He's not trying to convey a Gnosticism that separates the flesh from the Spirit and that we're not responsible for our sin, but what he is saying, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, His body died, he was in the grave, but that same spirit that raised him from the grave is the same spirit that lives within us. And so go back to verse 10 and see it in this context. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, the righteousness that is living through the power of God's Spirit within us.
2: Is
1: that a judicial type of righteousness, like we're declared righteous, or is that talking about an ongoing righteous life in the Spirit?
0: I think what it is saying, it's a great question, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, And if I would say from the context, it's because we can live a life of contentment. I don't have to covet anymore. I can be content. I can be satisfied that I stand complete within Christ. So it's a great question, and I believe both are true at the same time. I am righteous, but because the Spirit is alive within me, I can live a life of righteousness.
2: I was looking at it this way for a while, Scott, and you you tell me. This is right or not, but I kind of see Paul. He's saying, you know, this body is dead essentially because of the sinful nature through the fall of man through Adam. So, you know, 80, 100 years, this body's going to die. So it's essentially dead. Sixty, way? seventy, a sixty, no, seventy. Yeah, forty. Who knows? But the spirit is alive through Jesus, and it's eternal. And we know we're going to be resurrected and, and have these eternal bodies. So this is actually so much more alive than our physical yes. bodies. And then also our our desires, our fleshly desires. We know they lead to death. A life in the spirit leads to life. Not not in a sense that a human understanding, but a spiritual understanding that these are eternal, immortal spirits are inside of us. So why would we not want to focus on that? You know, with a very short time that we're given here on earth, instead of going for something that's just going to die, that was imperfect anyway, because of Adam and Eve in the garden, this body and the fleshly desires lead to absolutely nothing but death, destruction, and all the things Paul's talked about before. The Spirit is alive through Christ, and we can build that, we can grow in that with the time that we're given. And how much more powerful is that to give glory to God through our Spirit and through that life in the Spirit than what we think we want in our flesh? Yes.
0: And I'm glad you brought that up because in chapter 8 we're going to go through this chapter about the redemption of our bodies. And just like Jesus went to the grave and his body died, yet he came out of the grave with a glorified body. And we see that we too at the resurrection that we will come out of the grave with a glorified body. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we've already covered, but all of creation waits its redemption, the redemption of our bodies. And we're going to see that later on within this chapter. So I agree with you fully, this physical body will die someday, but it's the spirit that is alive that w- that is within me. That leads a life of righteousness where I can reflect the character of God, and I'm not living for the temporal things, but for the eternal things of God.
2: And so where Paul says in verse 11, "Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Is that speaking of the resurrection and the redemption of our mortal bodies to be immortal when we're?: I think he so. Comes?
0: I think so, but what I think he's doing here is laying the foundation for what he's going to say a little bit later in the chapter. But you see a glimpse of it right here. It's because the Spirit is alive within us, within these mortal bodies, that produces the righteousness of God. Because we are God's children, there is a day of resurrection that's going to take place, the redemption of our bodies. And when Christ Jesus came out of the grave, He is the resurrection and the life. Resurrection power, to me, means you come out of the grave never to die again. And so when Jesus came out of the grave, he had the keys to death and Hades, and he's never to die again physically. His body will never go back into the grave. Now you and I are going to be going to the grave. That's part of the curse that we see in Genesis chapter 3. It has been broken, but it is fully realized at the resurrection because all of creation waits its redemption, the redemption of our bodies. So there's a day of physical resurrection that is coming. Praise God for that. We're not living for the temporal, we're living for the eternal things of God. And this life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave up his life for me. That is our focus through a life in the Spirit, not to put our minds on the things of the world, but our minds on the things of the Spirit to be led by the Spirit, to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And we long for a day of redemption of our bodies. And that day is in the future. It's not right now. It is in the future. And I always say this. I stand complete now, and my completion is coming. I am saved now, my salvation is coming. The kingdom of God is now, the kingdom of God is coming. We see it accomplished in his first coming, and we walk by faith today, but there's a day I will stand face to face. But it's already completed through our faith in Jesus Christ. So let's close with that. We'll go through the first 11 verses. We're at 30 minutes here. Alan, can you close us in prayer?
2: Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word, and thank you, Lord, for this beautiful letter from Paul, God, that shows us our redemption and our righteousness is in you by faith, in your Son, Jesus Christ, by faith, Lord. And we just thank you, God, for this. We thank you, Lord, that we would be doers of the word and not just hearers only, Lord. And let us just think on this, God, and let us live that life in the Spirit, Lord. Continue to guide us. Continue to show us your will in our life, Lord. Continue to help us stay in your word, to pray, to fast, Lord, to seek you, Lord, so that we can do what you've called us to do on this earth, Lord, in this short time that you've given us, God. And we just thank you for this podcast, Lord, and we just pray that it would go forth, God, and speak truth, God, and speak your word, all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about
0: this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.